Welcome to Private Banking Strategies Podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks, your secret weapon to protect your assets and never have to start over financially again. Vance and Seth help high net worth individuals, families, business owners, and investors structure an asset-protected, tax-free fortress for their families. Learn how to keep what you earn and use the velocity of money to create your own private banking system. Join us on this journey as we explore the secret strategies of the rich and political elite and help you take total control of your financial security. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Private Banking Strategies with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. Today we're going to be talking about something pretty important and it, it stems off of last podcast. The guys brought up uh, that you can pretty much kind of use the same dollar over and over uh, in, in your own funds and it's it's very intriguing to me, very confusing to me, uh, but I want to talk to the audience just for a moment. First, you need to understand that there are pillars involved in what these gentlemen do and there's seven pillars. They've, they've explained it to me, and I, I get it now. It took a little bit, but hooray, I can be taught. Uh, of these seven pillars, they don't have to go in order. So some of the things we're talking today about, I know actually fall under pillar number four, and we'll, we'll talk about that in a moment. But as an audience member, I want you to understand that there is going to be a tremendous amount of content, not only in this podcast, but every podcast that these guys are doing. I'm on this journey with you. I'm learning all about this. So on the last podcast, when they talked about being able to use the same dollar over and over, I was, I was confused. And I said, guys, I, I really need a better understanding of what you mean and how this works. I know the audience is going to want to know that too, because if we could do that, that's incredibly powerful. So I'm encouraging you as an audience, please listen to multiple podcasts. We're going to give out contact information on every one of these podcasts, because it's vitally important that you reach out and ask these guys how this works for your specific situation. Everybody's different. But the concepts that they talk about are exciting, and I can't wait to get into it. Uh, gentlemen, good morning. How are you? Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I'm excited, guys. I mean, that, that last podcast blew me away. It really did. I, I was really excited about it, but I was also a bit confused about it. And so I, I appreciate your willingness to really sit with me and break this down on a, a much more uh, a closer level, if you will. I mean, we're drilling down into this concept. And today, uh, pillar number four of your seven pillars is the velocity of money, correct? Correct. And, and it's kind of the, the concept is putting a dollar to work and having it return over and over again. Now, it sounds fantastic, but it also sounds like a fantasy in a lot of ways, because once I spend a dollar, it's gone. But I know that you guys have more to say about that. So where do we start today? Well, we're going to start right there. We're going to start with uh, our regular banking. Everybody has to use a bank. We've deposited our money in the bank. Mm -hmm. We write checks from it. We pay our bills. We do everything from the real banks. When we spend a dollar, just like you said, Eric, that dollar is gone forever, right? Mm -hmm. Seth, that's right, right? Well, if you spend it on a utility bill, it's gone. Okay. But... Everyone needs to realize and understand that the banks always get that dollar back because the utilities, when they do, uh, get the check, where do they have to put the check? Back, back in, in the, the banking bank. system, yeah, okay. right? Yeah. Okay. They always get the money back. So we have to start there because the banks are running a strategy where all the money always comes back to them. 
We are not running that strategy. Therefore, we lose every dime we spend and have to start literally over again to re-earn those dollars just to get back to even. And only uh, some fortunate clients, or excuse me, some fortunate Americans can end up with a little bit of extra money. Okay, I want to hear more. So what we want to do is we want to talk um, about why the banks always get the money back and how we can set up the same strategy. It involves what's called the velocity of money. And it's the use of the same dollars over and over again. There's things we won't be allowed to do like banks can do. Seth, when a bank uh, gets back a dollar, what do they get to do with it? Well, it's called fractionalized lending. And for every dollar on deposit, it's actually less than a dollar. Uh, they can loan out about a multiplier of 10. So our deposits as consumers in our centralized banks provide them with the dry powder to loan and effectively create money out of thin air. That's exactly mm. what they're doing. Okay, Fractionalized and lending. And that's an ever upward spiraling effect. And that's what the, the factoring is what really causes the inflation. People need to understand uh, in, when, when uh, 1901 came around, today the dollar is worth less than two cents of the value at that time. And that's because of this mm. fractionalized banking. We can't do that. But let me ask this question. What is the difference, Eric, I'll ask you this, uh, between paying your monthly expenses versus lending or borrowing your monthly expenses? What do you think the difference is? Well, if I'm borrowing my monthly expenses from a bank, I'm going to end up paying a whole lot more because they're charging me interest on what I'm borrowing. Okay. What if you? Uh, what, what would be the difference if you, you personally lent yourself the money to pay your monthly expenses? What would that difference mean? Well, if I'm lending my, myself my money, <laughs> see, this is where I'm getting a little confused. If I lend myself my money, do I charge myself interest? That's my first question. Okay, yeah, that's a very legitimate question. Seth, when I first asked you the question, or and what you know now, what's the difference between those two? Well, when you pay an expense uh, uh, and you don't borrow it from your own banking system, it's gone. You mm -hmm. use it one time, it's spent, and it's gone. Whereas if you borrow it from your bank, you create a transaction where you pay your bank back, and your bank receives its money plus interest back, just like you said. And, and so Eric's question would be, well, aren't I losing money? Am I, aren't I spending the interest and, and losing that money, even if I pay myself? Okay. So what we want to introduce right now is the education that is missing. We believe that starting uh, early in the 19th century before or when branch banking first started becoming popular, they had to take out a mentality away from the average American because this is not new. This is something that the average household used to practice. Uh, lending to yourself versus lending to someone else is absolutely no difference. Do the mm. banks ever give away money? Virtually no. They may contribute to a charity or something like that with profits, 
but in actuality, they lend out every single dime. They do not even let money sit overnight without an interest rate. It always gets lent forward. Uh, many of you have heard of overnight lending, and it goes around the world, comes back into their bank at 8 o'clock in the morning for them to use. Hmm. Uh, never sleeps 24-7, 365 days a year. Money's always moving. Motion is absolutely critical in being able to get the money back. If, if money doesn't move, it would never come back. So like the banks, they set, set things up so that it will return. We have to do the same thing. Let me give you a great example. And I want to get into what's called the 10% rule. It's one of the principles that we use. It's like baking a cake. Uh, certain fundamental facts have to be observed in order to get proper results. You can't run an engine without spark plugs. You can't bake a cake without yeast or a certain amount of, of uh, flour, or it's not going to come out right. Let's talk about the 10% rule. It, it goes back anciently. It could be biblical, any, anything. But the 10% rule means that when you control principle, which means your paycheck, after Uncle Sam and everyone else has uh, taken their share out of your hard earnings, you deposit an, an amount of money into your system that comes in under your control. The 10% rule would then require you to pay the most important person in your own personal equation. Who would that be, Eric? Me. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> if your wife's working, it would be you know you and your spouse, That's of right. course. But you pay yourself first. But we don't do that. And the reason is, is because we feel like there's much more pressing issues. We've got bills to pay. Uh, and, and we're lucky if there's any crumbs left on the table at the mm -hmm. end of the month, right? Mm -hmm. So we have to stop doing that. People, one of the things you could do right now to improve your lives dramatically is start obeying this rule. Pay yourself first. So let me give you a real-life example why people don't versus why they should. And it's all about how we think. Remember, we have a quotation. Uh, Nelson Nash always drummed this into us. It's not so much about what we don't know about money that's hurting us. It's all about what we think we know about money that's incorrect. And if it's incorrect, you know, we get into the herd mentality and we're doing things wrong most of the time, 180 degrees opposite. So let's go into this. Let's say we bring home $5,000 take home per month. The okay. first thing we should do is pay ourselves 500 bucks or more if we can. So where does that okay? go? Okay. So we put that into our savings when we put it to work. We, we want to grow financially. All right. That's our wealth building right there, okay? If, if, if not more. So the problem is, is that an unexpected bill happens. Mm -hmm. And it's exactly $500 this month, and it's due right now. And you have the choice of whether to pay yourself $500 or pay the bill. Eric, which do you do? I, well, right now, I've, I've always just paid my bills. You're going to pay that bill, right? Yeah. Because we're conscientious. We don't want to have late payments. We don't want to have our credit report hurt or anything mm -hmm. else. But now let me ask you this question. 
If you pay yourself the money, do you lose control of that money? Well, I mean, it's, it's in my savings. Yeah. You actually gain control of it, right? Mm-hmm. And the goal of that money is to put it to work, correct? Correct. So what in this very scenario, what if we paid ourselves the money, then employed that money to pay the bill? That's great, but how do you employ the money? What's the difference? I have no idea. The one you're going to get the money back because you're going to finance that bill. You've, you're going to put that money to work. You're going to borrow that from your your well-earned system. You don't want to give it up, mm-hmm. and it's going to go to the bill. So you just put $500 to work. What type of return would you like on that money? No return or a high return? Well, as high as possible, yeah. <laughs> I think anybody would answer that. <laughs> okay, but could you set the terms since you control everything? If I'm the bank, I set the terms. Yeah, and if if things need to be refinanced, how hard would that be? Well, if I'm the bank, I would assume it'd be pretty easy. As long as you don't steal from yourself, mm-hmm. you're going to make a profit on that, and you want a highest return as possible You know, to get that money back. Those money back means a second touch on the same dollar. Mm-hmm. And it's coming back along with interest rate. That's what the banks are doing. The banks don't care if it's themselves. They lend to their employees and themselves all day long. But they're required to pay it back, aren't they? Correct. We are too. That's the missing information that we will teach the clients how to set up this personal economy that is missing, that's not found anywhere in our education system, and it's on purpose. But our actual real banking uh, companies out there practice this religiously. They do exactly what we're telling the clients to do with their safe money. So it's important to understand the real difference. Is money working for you, or is money leaving your control? By putting it to work, it didn't leave your control. You still have control over that money. If you just pay the bill, that money's gone forever, and you got to wait a whole nother month before you can approve your economic well-being, correct? Correct. So how do I pay myself back? Okay. Through your monthly expenses, you know, and you can set the terms. It could be pay the whole thing back in a month, or you could go down to five bucks a month, whatever fits inside your monthly take home and your, you know, um, cash flow, your, your standard of living. And the structure of how we set that up and how we run that is what, you know, we, we teach our clients as they start to absorb this. Um, we literally put the banking equation in our life. So we run, uh, an, an easy to do private lending company in, in essence, uh, we store our money in a really safe place uh, so that we can get compound interest. We put money that money to work. We don't lose that compound interest. We put it to work. We get high returns. At this point, um, let me give one more story. Uh, it's in our book. People, if, uh, if they want to, they can go online and they can download it. But it, it, it comes to the point right here, how we get money back and the velocity that is so incredible why our clients who are heavily in debt to start with, 
completely have everything paid off in a five-year period of time. They scratch their head. They don't even know why it's all paid off because they didn't change their lifestyle. They didn't work any harder. They just replaced who gets the money. That's all they do. So let me give you an example of why lenders lend money. And you out in the audience, you might want to write this down and you might want to answer the question before you find the answer. Let's say you come home, you own your home, and it's in the middle of the winter and it's cold. So you go turn the thermostat up, nothing happens. So you go check it out. And you find in the furnace closet, it's not there. The furnace is gone and there's a hole in the sea, uh, mm. roof. <laughs> you know you got a problem, right? Oh, yeah. So average American, right off the bat, they're going to call the AC and heating unit and they're going to get a couple of quotes, aren't they? Yep. And they're going to go with the one that they feel the best with. And let's say that that bill is $10,000 because they got to redo the, redo the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Well, they've got to have that heat. So they're going to put it on plastic, aren't they? Of course. Yeah, if they don't have it, yeah, they're going to put it on plastic. Yeah, they're going to put it on plastic. And then when the bill comes in, they'll figure out how they're going to pay for it. That's the common scenario, day mm -hmm. in and day out. And so... The bill comes in, they sit down, look at their assets, see how they're going to pay for it, and discover that all their assets are tied up. Well, they, you know, this is not a promotional card. This card has 25% interest. Hmm. And so they want to get it paid off as fast as they can. They look at their budget, they move things around, they figure, well, we can afford $500 a month payments. So $10,000, 25% interest. $500 a month. Those are the three numbers you need to know. The Vance Lowe Lending Institution would buy that debt in a heartbeat. Mm -hmm. Eric, why do you think I would be so motivated to buy that debt, Put take my $10,000 and put it to work and buy that debt? Because you're making quite a, quite a chunk of change on the interest. That's it. And that's what the banks want you to believe. Do you know that has no... Well, I mean, I'm going to take the money, yes, but that's not the reason. But every one of us out there listening audience today would hone in on that 25%. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you and give you an inkling of what the banker's mentality is or the lender's mentality. I got to put $10,000 to work, right? Mm -hmm. What am I going to receive monthly for that $10,000? Payment plus interest. I'm going to get the, pay, you know, the payment of $500, right? Mm-hmm. 500 times 12 is $6,000, correct? Correct. So I'll be getting back in one year $6,000 in hand. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Okay. To find the volume return, you divide the annual amount, which is $6,000, by the money at work. So if I divide $6,000 by the money at work or $10,000, I get a 60% volume of return. Is that high enough? Okay, yeah. I mean, you get that the first year. That makes sense. So uh, at the end of the first year, I've got $6,000 in hand. I still have my $10,000 at work going to earn me another $6,000. If I control that debt, how long would I like that to last? 
Oh, you want it to last forever. <laughs> so here's the power, though. Now I can take that $6,000. I can put that to work and buy more debt, can't I? Mm-hmm. True. And yeah. in, what, in two years, I'll have a volume return equal to the $10,000 that I have out there working. And that just grows from then. It's called exponential compounding. And each time those dollars come back to me, that's another touch on the dollar and another economic dollar's worth of value or service. This is why lenders lend money. If we go into mortgages, for instance, everybody in America would probably refinance if they could for a quarter percent interest if it went down. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's 4%. Now it's 3.5. Hmm. And the lenders just laugh and laugh and laugh because the individuals think that they're going to be paying less interest. And the only time, folks, the only time they would pay less interest is only in the last few months of that 30-year mortgage. They will start paying interest on their first month's payment of 96% mm -hmm. will be interest. Well, wait a minute. I thought I had a 3.75% loan. Uh-uh. You got a 96% loan. And in over a five-year period, it'll start walking down and get into the 70% in year five. And that's when they refinance again or move or whatever else. Usually mortgages turn over every five years. And there's sixty-five to 85000 in the average homes across America that is that high interest that they just lose forever. Is that money you want to lose or I want to lose? Absolutely not. No. So those all relate to... The velocity of money is knowing what, what is important. It's not the rate of return that's important. It's the volume mm -hmm. of interest or the volume of return. Switch to that. That's why Australia, England, Canada has outlawed our mortgages. They do not allow those mortgages uh, to, to be participated in those countries. So, you know, we, we do a lot of things in the United States as, as a whole population because we're so ignorant about, I guess that's the best word to use, uh, you know, uh, use that very friendly because, you know, we're all in the same boat, mm -hmm. about money, and it's on purpose because the education of how to flow money under our own control is missing. And that's what we put into the equation. All right. I mean, this is... You, you've done a fantastic job of breaking this down. I mean, still, it, it brought up, obviously, more questions for me. Um, but we're already, I mean, this has been quick. We're already really low on time. Um, so I, I think we want to close this podcast out. Uh, and I would like to challenge you guys for the next podcast to, to give me another example. And what I'd like to hear from you, and I think the audience would too, is can you paint me a picture of how this works for a family, a standard family that you work with, that you could you could basically kind of set the stage for how you set it up. And I know you both have done this. So you set the stage for how this was set up. 
and how it works on a monthly basis. Because all of us have monthly bills, you know, unless we're completely debt free, which God blesses, that'd be great if we can get to that point. Um, but I know even then you, you have strategies for families to even make more money, even when they are quote unquote debt free. So can you give us and, and walk through a family scenario so that each person listening can kind of put themselves in the shoes of that family and understand how this works w- within what they do? Sure. Seth, what do you think? <laughs> I've done all the talking today. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Um, I could give us a, a quick story right now, Eric, if we've got a, how much space do we have? Sure. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we've got time. Go for it. So this is an actual client story. And this client is a very, very good client. And they understand the principle of velocity of money and multiple touches on the same dollar very well. Mm-hmm. They've bought a home. And they have remodeled that home to the tune of probably putting about a million dollars in this wow. home. Uh, these folks are able to, to put that type of money into a remodel. And they cycled every penny of the money used through their own fa- family bank. And when we talk about paying yourself and paying your family bank, these are two distinct entities you as a borrower as an individual borrowing money from your banking uh entity it it is a separate and distinct entity with distinct ownership structure and arm's length transaction between the two parties and that's really important for something that we're going to touch on in the future with asset protection and equity stripping Mm -hmm. but that's just a small teaser for uh, for the future episodes and listeners to tune into to understand how to equity strip their real estate acquisitions, their businesses through their family banking entity in an arm's length transaction. So back to the story, this, this family financed this entire remodel, let's call it a million dollars through their family banking entity. They borrowed the money from their banking entity, put it into their house and set up a collateralized or secure securitized transaction. What does that mean? Those are fancy words for uh, getting a mortgage on mm-hmm. your property. Mm-hmm. They set up a mortgage transaction from their family bank to them as personal borrowers on the property, and they set their interest rate at 10%. Now, they could have gone to Wells Fargo or Bank of America, and they probably could have got low single-digit interest rate. Mm-hmm. But the reason that they didn't is for, or for the exact reasons and explanations that Vance just laid out. They understand it's not about the interest rate. It's about the volume of money cycling and the velocity of money. So they took money that they already had deposited into their family banking entity, and they put that money to work with the best borrower that they could see in the mirror, which was them. Mm -hmm. And they knew that they were going to pay that back. And they set a high rate of interest because in their family banking entity, that money grows and compounds annually without any tax implication at all. There's no taxable event and there's no notification of any other entity. It's a totally private transaction. And it also strips all the equity out of their property such that any creditor or other uh, entity has nothing to go after. And they make those payments back on a monthly basis, and their monthly payment was a little over $7,000. And as we were setting the amortization schedule out, um, the couple said, well, could we get more interest uh, payment out of this? And so we played with their numbers and their budgetary uh, limitations, 
and raise the interest rate to that 10%. We started a little bit lower to come mm-hmm. to their $7,000 a month mortgage. Now, here's, here's where it, I drive home the point. Okay, so they've got a million dollars that they borrowed out from their family banking entity at 10%. And you would think, okay, well, at the end of this amortization schedule and the end of their payment on this loan, how are they going to have paid back their million dollars plus 10% interest? What does that look like? It's $4.35 million in principal and interest, Mm. all growing and compounding annually in their family banking entity in a private, tax-advantaged, structured transaction. That's why they did it. Yeah, that would have gone to another bank had they financed with someone else. Yeah, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. Wow. Okay. So that's a great quick example. I'd like to dive into that deeper for sure. Um, Vance, do you have anything to say in closing today? Well, you can take um, Seth's example and just take off a bunch of zeros. Financing a car, you know, starting small. It's getting money. It's capitalizing into your bank first, and then it's putting that money to work at high interest rates, all taxed advantaged. Guys, if we can open up and, and, and help people understand and put the banking equation back in your life instead of letting someone else make all the profit on you, that's why we exist. That's, that's our motivation. That's the power that an individual can have over their own financial future. So that's what we're all about. Absolutely. Yeah, in closing, I, I would just add that we, we really want the listener to take away it's the velocity of money not the interest rate that counts Mm -hmm. and we can help them set up this same system in their family economy we're not going to be able to describe this perfectly to someone who's hearing it for the first time Mm -hmm. in 20 minutes we're going to need a deeper dive we're going to need to analyze their assets and liabilities and actually get our uh, hands dirty, roll up our sleeves, and analyze their situation really carefully and yep. and help establish a strategy that will work for them. And it may not be $4.5 million in uh, a mortgage on their home. It may be much smaller pieces. It could be even bigger pieces. Another thing that I'd like to drive home, uh, Eric, is that you might think, well, oh, that, that person makes a lot of money. You know, I don't ever make that much money. I'm not going to make four and a half million dollars in the rest of my lifetime. Here, here's the biggest thing that shocked me about our client base. I, we, I've seen multi-millionaire income earners suffering from spending all their money and having nothing left to show for it mm-hmm. that don't use private banking strategies versus seeing truck drivers and chiropractors set up their fi- family banking system and private banking strategies where they quit their job and become financially free and completely independent wow. having to depend on no one but themselves for success love that love absolutely love that and I want to hear more. And, and again, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, audience, you're going to need to listen to multiple of these podcasts because the concepts, ideas, the things that they're going to just scratch the surface on in some podcasts, we're going to dive deep into on other podcasts. So uh, please subscribe to the podcast. You'll you'll hear me say that again in a few minutes. But um, if you're already saying, hey, this is something I need to know, know more about, uh, you need to reach out to the guys. Guys, what's the best way to get a hold of you? You can reach our uh, office at 817 817- 200-4777. And you can speak with someone in our staff, or you can go to our website, www.privatebankingstrategies.com. 
That's www.privatebankingstrategies.com. We've got a, uh, a free book offer there for you. You can get it in written form or audio. We've got a number of other resources that you can look through, uh, or you can just fill out a contact form and we'll reach out uh, to you that way. Fantastic. Guys, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Eric. Thank you very much. You bet. And our last thank you goes to you, the listening audience. Thank you for tuning in and listening to the Private Banking Strategies podcast with Vance Lowe and Seth Hicks. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Vance and Seth come out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Private Banking Strategies, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Private Banking Strategies Podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of private banking strategies. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.